Hey, welcome to another installment of the Super Serial Interview Series. Some alliteration for you. This one was with my buddy Albert, and uh, you haven't heard from him before, but we had an awesome, awesome conversation. Interview-wise, it went off the rails a little bit. I tried to rein it back in a couple times, but the conversation just didn't want to stay there. We ended up talking about some pretty heady, awesome, wild stuff. It was just a lot of fun. It was the first time he and I have sat down and talked. The first time we've talked for more than maybe 15 minutes. But it was great. It was great. He's a really smart guy. And, you know, I really agree with a lot of his outlooks on life. And I'm really looking forward to talking to him again. So if you enjoyed it, there for sure will be more. So enjoy. Okay, well, we're recording, so whatever. I'm just going to let it record, and I guess the worst case scenario is that I lose it, and that already happened to me once with the podcast, so fuck it. And then we got to talk again. Oh, man. Jesus, right. I don't want to do that. <laughs> Uh, well, first, um, I'm just going to say thank you uh, for sitting down with me. Um, every interview I've done so far, or even just sitting down with people, is always really rewarding because it's there's something weird about sitting down and talking and knowing that we're being recorded that causes like the bonding of the experience to like go to another level almost because it almost forces you to be more engaged. You know what I mean? It's really weird, but I don't know what you mean yet, but. I'm going to find out. Yeah, you'll find out. first interview. Yeah, you'll find out. Well, thank you for interviewing me. Sure. Um, So the first question I ask everybody um, that kind of kicks these interviews off is, who did you vote for? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Who is Albert Jerez? Uh, Albert Jerez. Well... We say Jerez here in America. We've right. done that for... In America, who's Albert Jerez? That's right. That's how we get from being deported. <laughs> oh, shit. Did I blow up your spot? Are you an illegal? <laughs> yeah, my bad. <laughs> so, who am I? Let's see. I'm a dad. Mm-hmm. I'm a closet installer. Mm-hmm. I'm a potter. Um, but uh, ultimately, I'm just a dude trying to live the best life I can. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I think we all are, right? Uh, well, hopefully. That's yeah. that's the goal, right? <laughs> well, it's funny because I was talking to somebody the other day, this kid who's a... Uh, I've already you know mentioned this anecdotally before on, on the podcast, but this kid, he's like 18, right? And doesn't have... I'm not going to blow the spot up, but he doesn't have an easy life. You know, he's you know kind of shuffled around family-wise and stuff. But I said something to him the other day, and the exchange was really funny because I said... You know, it's crazy to think about that, uh, you know, nobody knows what they're doing. And he's like, huh? What? He's like, what? Well, go on. Like, well, yeah, man, everybody's just winging it, you know? Nobody really knows what this is all about or, like, what the answers are, you know? Like, you never really anywhere, any, you can't be more than 99% sure on any decision you make and everything like that, you know? And he was just like, fuck. <laughs> like, what? Uh, that's a level of honesty that I think a lot of kids don't get. I feel like growing up, 
I didn't get that level of honesty. Yeah. I really thought all the adults knew what they were doing. Yeah. And then it took me so long of being an adult to realize I had no idea, and no one else really did either. Yeah, they were right. just doing the best they could. <laughs> yeah, there's a certain point where you grow up and you realize, like, oh, my parents don't know everything. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, well, why did they act like they did? Because they had to. Because otherwise you wouldn't fucking listen to them. <laughs> if you don't think that they're God, you're not going to listen to any advice that they have, you know? Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's And that's the thing is, you know, once you realize that, you can either be liberated by it or you can be paralyzed by it, you know? And I think those of us who decide to be liberated by it are, you know, those who end up a little better off in the long run or even in the short run. Well, I think, it, I think it's easy to become paralyzed when you just go over things in your brain a lot. You know, because um, that's what you're using all your energy for is just spinning the wheels. Yeah. But, um, ultimately, when you realize you don't know what you're doing and no one else does, it's pretty freeing. You know? Well, you have to make that decision, though, right? you know, because there is such a thing as uh, paralyzation by too much choice. You know, when you realize like, oh, shit, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Right. You know, like if I can just, oh, my God, like if, if some of these idiots can run a successful business, then shit, I could do it, too. You know, or anything any endeavor you want to embark on you can do it it's just a matter of actually believing that you can actually do it you know and obviously there's a lot of work involved but it really starts with that true belief that mm -hmm. yeah i can do that you know and that belief does kind of needs to get in your head early you know there's a lot of people who i think don't end up you know with that in their head ever yeah. No, I think it takes a long time to realize that, if you mm. realize that at all. I yeah. think a lot of people are concerned with, like, the what-ifs. We grow up, you know, thinking, okay, well, I'll get married, start a family, you know, whatever. Uh, you got to earn a living, you know. So we, we kind of are thinking along these survival kind of right. <laughs> instincts. Okay. We got a kitty joining our conversation. Yeah, that's but, um Really, when it comes down to it, once all your basic needs are met, which mm -hmm. is fairly simple if you can hold down a job and you know sure. that sort of thing, sure, um, it, that's when the creative life can bloom. You know, right? Like, yeah, you can decide. Oh, I want to do this. Yeah. Or, or, you know, even if you decide you want to hang out and play video games all yeah, day, right. like you can be very invested in that. As you won't long get as anything out of that, like emotionally or like needs wise if you don't have a certain basis covered like you said yeah absolutely then you're just putting off the thing you really need to do which is you know go out and earn enough money to buy some food or yeah go sweet talk some person to buy any food <laughs> yeah exactly yeah however you do it there's exactly. a million ways to do it we all know that especially in today's world man it's crazy you know the with the internet this has changed everything you know it's funny too because there's no sure things anymore you know, there's no staying at a company for 30 years and retiring. You know, for people coming up now, A, don't want that. And B, the employers don't want to pay for, they're going to have to give them pay raises every year, every year and a half, you know. So it's mm -hmm. like nobody's interested in that kind of thing anymore. And the world almost doesn't allow for it anyway. The internet has just made the world a lot smaller, you know. It's crazy, dude. Not to go down that rabbit hole too much. But, no, it's interesting, though, you know, because the, I remember when there wasn't yeah. internet, uh, which is crazy to think that i'm that old already <laughs> but it, um it has made the world smaller it's made us able to you know know what's happening all over the place you know in, in an almost, instant, real, almost time. real time it's bananas right absolutely and at the same time it's allowed us to be disconnected in a way where mm -hmm. we 
a lot of people can't communicate with each other anymore, like face to face. Yeah, this is actually a point I touched on in um, one of the other interviews I did with my uncle. We talked about how people, you, it's hard to get good at communicating when all you see is the text because you're missing so much else of what happens when you actually speak to a person. There's your tone, there's the context, there's your body language, different inflection, you know, eye contact, all kinds of things. And and it, it, it requ- you require all those things for your mind to develop effective communication, you know? Mm-hmm. And pe- yeah, people are just bad at it. That's really one of the most common things that, ha- that I see out in the world is that people are just bad at communicating. And it's sad to me because communication, it's a... Uh, like the English language, for example, that's a contract. That's a social contract that we've all signed, and a lot of people just ignore it. You know, if you if you speak in such a or even typing and stuff, there 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 are rules that we've agreed to. Whether or not you realize it, if you're speaking English, there are rules that if you don't play by those rules, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I I talk to people all the time that like they'll say something to me, and I'm like, I don't know what you mean, and they're like, well, woo, woo. I'm like. Just try again because, like, I want to understand what you're saying, and what you just said doesn't make any sense. So you're and I'm not no. trying to be rude, but it's like I want I want to know so ba- I want this to be effective. If you have something to say to me, uh-huh. I want to know what you mean. Are they using like phrases or colloquial terms? It or depends on the person I'm talking about. Some some people are just not good at getting the what they mean out in the actual words due right. to some lack of vocabulary or right. just. Um, lack of you know um just proper grammar or like my dad for example who he it's like he thinks i'm in his head that's the impression that i get so he'll send just like a broken sentence about something and he'll just be like um he'll just say like uh chicken for supper and i'm like is that a question are you telling me are you just something you're thinking about are you te- is there a, maybe a picture that you meant to send? I have no idea. You got to give me more than that, man. So he's expecting you to read all the thoughts he had in between the lines. Well, the problem is he's not expecting anything. He's just sending that and just not worrying he- about what the consequences are. And then it's for my whole like you know not my whole life, but you know as long as I can remember, it's just been like I'll just send him back a question mark or just what. And he's like, you know, we'll have like a little laugh together because he knows. You know, I think he just kind of leans into it at this point. <laughs> that's my suspicion is that he's just being dad now, you know. That's right. And, uh, you know, I don't know. It's funny, man. It, but, you know, I guess, you know, I try to not take that whole thing too seriously because I used to be like a serious, like, grammar Nazi. Oh, really? Know? Oh, yeah. Because I see it. I can't not see it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll be like helping somebody type something out and I'm like, you need a comma there. You definitely don't need that comma there. <laughs> that should be three separate sentences. And this part should go way before it. Like it's, it just comes naturally to me. So it took a while. When I was a more arrogant person, notice I said more arrogant. Um, <laughs> when I was a more arrogant person, it would upset me, and I'd be like, "Well, what's wrong with you? Why are you so stupid that you don't understand the way this language works that you use all day every day?" But now I just understand that people don't quite. It's not a priority for them, and that's okay. You know what I mean? It's in their regular life. Right. The way that they are is totally fine, and that's okay. Well, I don't have to get my panties in, in a bunch about it. But when you were explaining that, you use a double negative with the can't not see that. God but, damn it. But 
I understood you because it felt you, very you appropriate. Mm-hmm. In, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, just so, to knock down the arrogance peg yeah, a little thank bit. thank you. I need that, though. I need <laughs> that. And I, and I can – and I find – I'll take a little bit more yeah, of man. that, yeah. Um, you know, I, I try to allow myself to be humbled now. That's a skill that I've tried to, to tried to kind of hone in myself that if somebody's like, well, you know, you, you talk the talk, but you're not walking the walk right now. I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah, you got me. Okay. Well, I feel enough. like whenever we get into the, like – thinking about how that other person is not using grammar correctly or you know at work i do it like that guy's not putting that screw in right or cutting that board right Mm -hmm. or whatever uh we got to realize that everybody learns to do things the best way they can you know or the best way that works for them sure and a lot of times that's better than everybody doing it exactly the same way yeah that would be boring right it would it would be be boring and then some people just don't it's like not understanding something mm-hmm. because you, your learning style is different. Sure, you know? yeah, totally. So like if you're forced to do things in a way that is uncomfortable for you, but it's that's how you color between the lines. Yeah, you might just shut down and like, yeah. Right, or just do a shitty job all the time. Right. Whereas if you can do it the way you prefer to do it, you're probably going to excel at it. You're more likely to flourish in, in maybe a right. different way that's outside of the norm. But if that uniqueness is not embraced, right. you're just going to be shitty at the thing that's the, the box somebody tried to force you right. into. You know, and it's tough because uh, you know our, you know the way our minds have evolved is you know we kind of need to fit things into categories and boxes, but you have to be ready to make a new box or make the box bigger or change the definition of the box. You know. That's that's the trick I think to to kind of figure in life out is that you need to quickly be able to categorize things and stuff and say like oh that's that kind of person and then you meet them and you're like oh they're not exactly that kind of person but you had to come in with something you know right maybe yeah. maybe maybe not I okay. I don't I don't know but I feel like I feel like the way we understand the world mm-hmm. through our rational mind through observation we have to label things and categorize them. We right. have to give objects names that's to be able yeah. to understand Well, that's them exactly my point. Yeah. And communicate. Right. Right. That's, yeah, symbology really is what it comes down to. Exactly. Is that, what does this word mean? It has this definition behind it. The problem is those things change. Right. Well, you know? I think I think the thing is to realize that those are just devices to understand the world and communicate effectively right. and show up on places, you know, to places on time and stuff sure. like that so we can sure. function in a world that yeah. operates on a schedule. But... Ultimately, all those things are just that. They are tools. They are not the actual reality of the object, right. the actual interaction We're not robots. Us. Yeah. yeah I mean, because that's what we would be robots if we just defined everything by those strict terms. We have to allow it to – we have to allow creativity to take place. You know, and that's kind of like the organic nature of life. You know, it, it, it's always changing. You know, it's always yeah, adapting to new circumstances. Exactly. Well, that's a funny thing, you know, and I think I think that's why a lot of that stuff is kind of hard to understand. Is because, you know, I think the ego gets in the way in a lot of ways. That it's like, okay, this is me right now in this place in this time, and sometimes that's the only context you have. So to understand things that take place on a different time scale like the way language develops or the way, you know, uh, a dinosaur turns into a bird over time. You know what I mean? Like, it's so hard to wrap our minds around, you know? And I think that's what holds a lot of people just put walls up and they're like, nope, this is it. This is me, you know? And I don't want to understand that maybe, like, you know, just the idea of, like, what a species is. 
is not actually a species isn't actually a thing it's just a something on a continuum that we've just drawn a line you know and all the whole way we operate as a species just works exactly like that mm-hmm. you know um the our minds work that we just have to draw these arbitrary lines because we have we need to do it to function yeah I mean, I think and it's a tool. It's yeah, like anything yeah. else. That's where we use it. But we get caught up in the tool and the symbol, mm-hmm. um, and we understand it as reality, whereas you know, ultimately, there's something beyond that. Yeah. That all those tools are basically allowing us to get anything done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. To function in the world, because you know, right, if you were right. blissed out, <laughs> if oh, yeah. you were right. It's not a constant DMT trip or something. Yeah. Yeah, if you yeah. were in nirvana all the time, mm-hmm. you may not be able to function in the world. You probably very well. wouldn't. You'd yeah. be on a you'd be on the floor drooling <laughs> and everybody would think that you're a vegetable and that'd be yeah. That's right. You'd be perfectly happy, but nobody would be able to interact with you. Yeah. So you have to land somewhere in the middle, I guess, you know, to, to function properly or slide along that. Yeah, as, yeah. As it's, as yeah. it's necessary. And it's a continuum, yeah. maybe. Maybe maybe different times in your life. Well, yeah, that's what I'm different. saying. Yeah, it's a sliding it's mm-hmm. a sliding kind of continuum where it's, you know, when it's useful, you know, if you're in a job interview, maybe you want to be on the kind of tool end of it where you're like, need to know what to say, need to know how to act. Right. But then when you it definitely actually comes need to down know to how to do, show up on time. Right. But then when it comes down to doing the job, sometimes you got to get creative. Sometimes the rules don't work, you know. That's right. Especially out, like on construction sites you yeah know, something always comes up well that's a funny you know it's funny because all this week you know i was i was back in the shop training the new guy and i was finding myself sliding back and forth across what, what, exactly what we're talking about like yes these are the rules but if this happens you got to kind of figure out like well how does this work here you know without mm-hmm. getting into the nitty-gritty of it all mm-hmm. um and you can't that's it, harder to teach that you right. know, you can teach the tool part. You can teach the, the the hard line categories and the rules and stuff. But then when it gets into like, you need to kind of figure stuff out. You need those fundamentals to do that other part effectively. But I can't teach you that. Like mm-hmm. you have to just live it. You have to just go through it and experience it, and you will learn from it. Right. The experiential part of a job. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, you learn all the tricks of the trade like that. You yeah. can learn a lot from observation. Sure. You know, in your case, this guy needs to learn the job so that he can function Crash course, without yeah, you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I felt kind of bad because, you know, last, yesterday even said to me, he's like, man, if, you know, it sucks I can't hire both of us because, you know, like we're kind of buddies now. <laughs> and I was like, it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> like, first of all, I don't work here anymore. They don't, they don't need to hire both of us. Like, I, yeah, I felt kind of bad because he got used to me being there. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? He's bonding with you, yeah. and, and he's starting a new job, so you are in some ways a security to him. Right, exactly, and, uh, yeah. But I, I think, you know, at least in my knowledge of the company, which I've been with for 11 yeah. years, yeah, uh, yeah, he'll he'll do great as long as he shows up to work, does his job, and yeah. asks questions when he needs to. But don't he was. bother Jimmy all the time. Well, I bother Jimmy all the time. All the time? Yeah, I got it. <laughs> Yeah. See, I don't work in the shop, so I don't, yeah. I don't well, have anyone to bother. I'm the kind of person where I would rather ask a question right. for you to get me from 90 to 100% sure than Assume. do it wrong and <laughs> right. waste time. Right. If you're right there, I can mm-hmm. just say, hey, man, I think I remember how this goes since you're right here. Right. Can you just remind me? Sure. Okay, cool. You know, and over time you develop an intuition that you can rely on, you know, and yeah. you learn what works and what doesn't work. So absolutely, those kind of questions get fewer and, you know, further between. But 
I, I like I like to ask questions. You know, I like to be inquisitive about. Hey, just, I know this kind of isn't even relevant to what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, but what does this mean here? Like, is that is that what these numbers mean? Like, when it goes and gets built or whatever, you know? Because I like to connect the dots in my head. Yeah, it helps you. It helps yeah, you to yeah. uh, understand multiple aspects of you know what goes on in mm-hmm. a company or what you know this product, what these numbers translate into the finished product. Right, right. That's yeah, that's important to know definitely. Yeah. So, did you grow up around here? North Carolina. I did not. Um, I grew up in Tampa, Florida. Okay. And I lived in Tampa until I pretty much got out of middle school and was right about to start high school. And my parents were like, we're going to get out of this, this rat race. This would be a race, great thing for you. <laughs> yeah, as out a- of this rat race, and we are going to move to North Carolina, which we'd done a little traveling, and we sure. stayed in North Carolina. Uh-huh. And we moved to Murphy, North Carolina. Now, what? Now I just want to pause real quick. So the, so what was that rat race? Because you sound like you're being a little bit sarcastic with it. So I want to... Yeah, yeah. Wanna, yeah. Know. Well, uh, if you go down to Tampa, it's totally a construction zone it's bumper to bumper traffic you know the constantly developing always yes absolutely and it's not slowing down and it's very very congested already but um so that and just uh sounds kind of familiar (laughs) i feel i feel feel like in some ways it was idyllic for my dad like he wanted to move to the country get out of the city he wanted to get us out of the big schools with Mm -hmm. huge class sizes you know gang stuff you know all that kind of jazz um, so we moved to this tiny rural town. I knew nobody. Uh, you know, I'd just become popular with girls at that time, so yeah. I was taken out of my element. Just starting to realize you like girls. I was a little, I was a little just, depressed. You know, yeah. looking back at it, it was like sure. I was in a new place. I didn't know anybody. That's a rough time to make a big move. It was, it was sure. tough, and in a lot of ways, it's really, it was a great move. Um, in some ways, it might have stunted me socially for a little mm-hmm. while. But I can tell. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, Explains uh, a lot. <laughs> but it helped with uh, me developing my introspective side, I think. You know, I had sure. a lot of time to think, mm-hmm. a lot of time to walk around in nature, which was something I didn't get a lot in Tampa. Oh, okay. I was I was in the Boy Scouts, um, or, well, in the Cub Scouts. Once I got old enough to sure, be yeah. in Boy Scouts, I was like, I don't want to do all these fundraisers so I can go on these camping trips. I'm just going to dick just around with my friends yeah. all the time. Yeah. yeah. Whatever, play video games. I could just all the time go in the woods. Really They're right there, yeah. Right there, but I used to take walks and stuff. So I've always loved nature, but it wasn't surrounded by it until I moved up to Murphy. Okay. And it was like every day I'd go outside and take a walk. And my dad See had a bug a, you hadn't seen before. And a right. mushroom my dad had a yeah. video camera at the time, so that oh. became my obsession for a while. Was just filming things. Okay, you know? here we go. I had the I did one my nature documentary was the flight of the water bug and it was one of those water boatmen yeah. I think is what they're really called okay. but the little skaters they yeah, skate yeah. on top of the water filmed that guy I don't know how long I fucking how long I filmed him I was zooming in <laughs> zooming out you know screwing around with this camera that's awesome yeah, it was fun it was you were a, just captivated it was something for me to put my time into sure. I mean you know and then sure. I. The rest of the time, I'd sleep until, like, noon or whatever. My dad was working, like, two jobs at the yeah, time yeah. or whatever. And my mom and brother and sister hadn't moved up to North Carolina yet. Mm-hmm. So oh, it was, okay. like, a summer. We came. My dad came up early to secure a job, get a second okay. job to okay. pay all the bills. Sure. And then I came up with our friend Joe, and uh, he drove a big box truck with all our furniture. Mm-hmm. So we moved in, and my mom and sister and brother stayed, and then they came later. 
So basically the summer I had to myself. Wow. So I sleep until noon. My dad was working night shift at uh, McDonald's there in Murphy. So okay. they throw out all their apple pies at night. Mm. And uh, he'd bring a few home, you know. And yep. So there was always apple pies. I'd be eating <laughs> those all the time. And then it was just like taking a walk. I watched yeah. a lot of unsolved mysteries at that time. Okay. We had like one little TV on the floor, Whoa. you know, at the time. Wow. But so your life just took a totally just right, like was, 90 degree yeah. turn. Yeah, it was kind of like camping out in a house sure. for the summer, yeah. you know. And uh, So what kind of stuff were you getting up to before you left? Like uh, you weren't around nature, you were just like hanging with your friends. It, well, like it was that. more it was more urban. Everything's paved sure, sure. in Tampa, you know. I mean, you can go out but to But was the, the video but... camera thing like a totally new thing at this point? Uh, no, like... I, I had... Uh, I had played around a little bit with my dad's camera, um, and I had come up with ideas for movies. Mm-hmm. And I remember like uh, talking with friends about you know these ideas, but it was all it was all based off like comic books. Sure, I, I had a friend then. Uh, comic book movie, what a novel idea! Right, right. At the time, that probably would have been like wow. And I had no idea. I was like, how would we do the special effects? You know? like, how would Wolverine's claws come out? Wow. How would you know, wow. shot Cyclops shoot Ahead a laser time, beam. Huh? Wow. I was like, can I take can I take a VHS apart and somehow doctor the images? You know, like you know. Wow. So I was just trying to wrap. I mean, it was all sure. like cerebral yeah, yeah. talking to other people. So wow, um, what a different life you would have if you had gone down that road. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't think I, I. I feel like as technology has advanced, sure, I have felt very much like a caveman when I. When I was a kid, all I wanted to do was draw cartoons when I grew up. Okay. And then by the time I got anywhere near college, computer technology had taken most of the physical drawing out of right. it. Not that not that a lot of really great animations don't start with drawings. Sure, sure. But it gets translated. The hard work is done on computers now. Yeah, it gets translated through this digital medium that really I still have very much difficulty wrapping my brain like sure. understanding it. yeah yeah you know like you talk about the internet yeah it, it still blows my mind like i can't understand it so yeah. luckily i have an awesome woman olivia yeah. in my life who she's my technological guru yeah and i have a few your others con- in my life too. yeah yeah uh it, you know i'm like okay i need help with this because yeah, i can't figure it out <laughs> it is wild man it is wild i i honestly personally i don't really i don't i don't remember it's, I, I don't want to say I don't remember life before the internet because I do remember things that I did, but I don't have many memories. Like I have very, very, very early memories of like me using a computer by myself as like a small child and then like finding out that like the internet was a thing like with the AOL discs and stuff. But I know that was like I've, those memories are very vague. So I know I was very young. I mean, I'm sure we could find out the exact legit timeline of it but it's crazy to think that it has been a part of my life for pretty much as long as i can remember you know and it's it's wild too that kids coming up now i mean it's they can't even they wouldn't be able to wrap their head around a lack of the internet right aside from the fact that you can't quite wrap your head around the internet it becomes all that you know so it becomes a integral part of your reality yeah um it's fascinating because my son, my son is very technology oriented. How old is he? He's very good. He's eleven. Okay. He um. The rapid, fir- rapid development. Yeah, yeah. The age, first yeah. time he 
touched anything electronic. It was like he intuitively knew what to do with it. And I was like, wow, pretty blown away, you know? What do you think about that? I, I feel like that's part of our collective consciousness, actually. I feel like, you know, yeah. the, these things become a part of the known reality, mm-hmm. and they're really passed down through human DNA, if you want to be a, phys- a biological form. But yeah. really, it's this I have to say, I have to say I'm with you on that. Um, over time, I'm starting to... My, my buddy Paul, who we were talking about before... Um, we said good things, Paul. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, I don't remember exactly what he's referencing, but he calls it the, um, shit. I want to say the hundredth monkey, but that's that movie, isn't it? With, uh, Brad Pitt. No, that's 12 monkeys. 12 monkeys. Oh, okay. Okay. So it is the hundredth monkey thing. So he talks about right. all these experiments that happen where like they, you know, supposedly like you can teach ant- like, like rats how to do a certain maze uh-huh. in the United States and you can take a group of rats and like across, you know, across the ocean, you know, in another continent and give them the same, they'll learn it faster after this group of rats has already learned mm-hmm. it. Like, and, and that he's like, he, he, he's been trying to convince me for years that it's a very real thing. And over time I'm starting to kind of understand that it has to be right. Right. It there, has to be a real thing. Well, basically the idea is that there's a threshold, there's a limit. So like one person learns it and right. then two people learn it. And but then there's four a cri- people the learn thing it. Is critical there's that crystal, mass. The, the, but there's a, yeah, I like to call it a crystallization point nice. where it kind of, you know, there's that very, it starts from that one, that single, that decimal, you know, that, mm-hmm. that single point. And it kind of grows out and it reaches a point where, like, it can't be stopped, right. you know, and that it's everyone eventually will be exposed to it. I mean, there's people in sub-Saharan Africa that have cell phones. Like, what? If I told you that 15 years ago that that was going to be the case, you'd be like, well, maybe not 50, maybe like 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Let's go pre-2000. You'd be like, come on, man. How are they? Where are they going to charge it? Are they gonna, you know what I mean? Like, are they going to understand? Like, there's crazy stories about people dropping, like... A box, boxes of tablets, t- like tablet computers, like very simple, like mm-hmm. you know, Android tablets, in like some place where people have no technology whatsoever, and the children will learn how to use it in like a few weeks or a couple months, and how to like get inside, like figure out how to like customize it and modify it and stuff. It's got to be. There's got to be something to it, man. There's got to be, and it trips me out to think that if that's the case what is going on like i almost don't even want to start talking about it because it blows my mind so much because it it, if that really that phenomenon really is taking place we really don't know what the fuck is going on in this world we really don't you know which is kind of like it's kind of scary to think about that because there's all this we have this whole society and infrastructure that's based around things that we think are the rules and they might not be. They might not be the rules. Man. There might be more to this whole idea of like the law of attraction. Well, and like... well, the rules are. Again, we're talking about labels. We're talking about the ability to communicate and pass these ideas down, generation from Thank generation. Thank you for tying that together. That's. I yeah. feel. I feel like the rules have to change over time. Yeah. And they will gradually change over time, because we change over time. Right. And it's hard to kind of. You can't exactly watch. It's like watching paint dry or grass grow. Like you can't exactly see, you can't it happen, even see it happen. But when you look from here to there, you definitely see. You can a difference. see it over the long run, right? You're if you take back. snapshots, well, you think, can see it. Think yeah. about the internet. Think about the cell phones. Okay, 
go back before cell phones were a big honking thing that only some people had and they carried them around in their backpack or Mm -hmm. whatever. Before that, no one fucking imagined it. Right. At all. Yeah. Yeah. It was a thought. Someone thought, man, it'd be really great if I could communicate anywhere I was. And then <laughs> to that, anyone, anywhere. Right. And who that, also could do the same and thing. And that thought over time became a reality. Became a reality, right? And now we can't live life without them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we it's hard to imagine a time before that. Yeah. I mean, before electricity, before the television, before any of these things. Imagine how that's changed reality for the whole human race. And you don't have to imagine it. We've yeah. inherited it. Right. And right. Just like the kids, two generations from now yeah. will come out of their mother's womb already with a tablet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy, man. Or they'll have it in their brain. We'll have computers in our brain. I don't I, I don't know where it's going. Hey, but. <laughs> you know, I, we might, man. We might. Who knows? Who knows? I freak I freak Jessica out all the time by saying things like uh I was talking about LASIK surgery the other day, and I have astigmatism, and so else I have nearsightedness and astigmatism, and they both are, I think, about the same, you know, affecting my sight about the same. So like, I've I don't have so much astigmatism that I can still wear contacts, but like, if I were to get LASIK surgery, I think it could only fix my eyesight so much because the shape of my eye is wrong. But I said to her, um, I said, you know, by the time we have an extra, you know, five grand or whatever that costs. I said, have, I'll just get some bionic eyes. And she's like, oh my God, don't, don't say that. And, I, and, and like for me to say that is, you know, in jest, it's kind of like, I don't, I don't feel the weight of it, but she's older than I am. So she, so for the idea of having me like her, like the person she loves, yeah, yeah. like having a bionic body part feels very strange right, right. to her. And the eyes are the window of the soul. So exactly. she's, she's imagining so she herself never, looking in your eyes and the, not yeah, seeing exactly. the Jake that she... Right, or yeah, or me looking at her and it not actually be me right. looking at her, you know? It's funny that you say that, though, because I joke about bionic parts all the mm-hmm. time. Um, I, I've had a lot of, like, back and shoulder yeah. pain and shit in the past few years, and uh, I'm always joking. Like, I can't wait until they can surgically give me a robot spine. Yeah. Or robot shoulders. Yeah, or, like, lo- or like a lab-grown new body that's just like yours, but they just put your consciousness that's in That's great, but if that if that <laughs> bone structure was made out of titanium yeah, or sure. some shit, so you could I just would love like, it. So you could just lift, throw the couch with just the strength of your back, you know? <laughs> That'd be great, and I, it, it wouldn't hurt. That's the part. It wouldn't hurt, right, yeah. There's a, no deterioration, I think. Nope, that's nope. But, you know, then you wind up being like Darth Vader or something where you're like, mostly bionic man and, you and got, then what are you yeah. yeah well it goes to the whole thing of like you know if you sail a ship you know from land to land and along the way you have to replace each board one by one by one to the point where you've replaced every board on the ship is it's it the a same new ship? ship is it the same ship or is it a new ship you can't answer the question well there's an argument to be said and science has proven that our cells are constantly regenerating themselves sure. you know so sure. are are you the same Jake you were when you came to my house an hour ago or you know uh, well, what do you think no I think we're changing all the time but yeah. I think our there's something about the way we perceive each other's physical forms yeah. that you know yet we can see the gradual change over time sure. but sure. right now I cannot tell that you know, I'm aging, you got I'm aging one, as two, we speak you got a couple hairs that might be turning gra- what? Yeah. I can't yeah, see that could happening yeah. mine yeah. are inside my nose you I'm dying see that. I'm dying right now <laughs> <laughs> Right, yeah. but that's not the way to think about it no, either. No, it's not, no. Uh, just think about it like your cells are 
creating new they're creating they're copies of themselves yeah, yeah, yeah you know over and over again you know shedding off the old layers sure, sure that's that's a positive way you mm-hmm. know if you think every moment i'm dying a little bit that's that's like oh, i don't really think that you right know, right don't I'm do just it. trying to be morbid yeah, if yeah. that's the kind of sense of humor that you can appreciate <laughs> i can i these these days i'm giving a little more uh weight to the thoughts that I put out there, I think. Not that I don't get into my negative states of mind where I'm just sure. spouting crap, mm-hmm. especially when I get all hangry. <laughs> yelling don't at I know it? I love. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, man. My, my uh, Jessica, she, uh, she knows to not let me get hangry because I just can't. It's, it's hard. It's so hard. I hear it. Yeah, yeah. no. It's I, hard. I was yelling at my dad earlier. We were, <laughs> we were working on a project together, and he's like yeah. asking me for a socket or some shit. And yeah. I was like, I can't deal with this right now. <laughs> Finally just went and ate some peanut butter, and I came back, and he was like, you seem like a new person. You good now? Like, you all right? I just had to eat some food. Yeah. I hate to reference uh, advertisement, but those Snickers commercials, they, oh, they're they totally nail right. it. They nail it, man. Oh, yeah. Neil, Neil, totally. He, Neil uh, like that? No, no, I'm like that, and Neil realized that like oh. first week working with me. Oh no shit! He was like, he asked me some simple question. I was like, God shut damn the it. fuck up! <laughs> I was like, you sound like my kids right now. You keep asking me something every five fucking seconds. <laughs> like you know, it's about eleven thirty. You might not be hungry by <laughs> that any was chance. It. <laughs> and then like the next day, he's like, yeah, you're a lot like them Snickers commercials. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you got me, dude. Oh, I'm bad. That's, that's awesome. Weird hypoglycemia yeah hypo right like low yeah i don't know whatever it is i get hangry and i better eat some peanut butter that seems to be the best solution i keep a jar of peanut butter in my bag all right so you moved you moved to north carolina you start getting in tune with nature and this and then and then what so you're so um so how's high school go i'm i made friends Mm -hmm. you know um i gravitated towards the other people who didn't quite fit in you sure. know, so there were some other kids from Florida. There were a couple of kids who, um, you know, just were kind of outcasts mm-hmm. in some ways. And uh, we bonded and became friends. So uh, I really created a network of friends. The only people I had any trouble with in school were a couple of metalhead guys. Mm. And most of them were freshmen. And mm. um, so there's always that kind of hazing and guys sizing each other up. Sure. Sure. And it was uh, the good for what that. you would call rednecks, which I, I I use that term loosely and with no derogatory in it, you know insinuation because I, w- I would use it as a derogatory insinuation mm. and and own that and own it, yeah. yeah, sure, sure. I guess these guys were, but I think ultimately, I think a lot of Southern people get labeled as rednecks, and I don't want to put it out. No, there, yeah, right? I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mean that by saying it. I mean that what I would mean is like the kind of people who, you know. There's trash everywhere. There's the people, kind of people who are looking for trouble all the time, who don't have respect for other people's time or space or, you know, just anything about other people. And they're just not, they're not good people. You know, they're just being obnoxious all the time. There's, there's a slur for every race of <laughs> what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? There's, there's some, there's, in every group of people, whether it's an occupation or a race or a gender or whatever, th- these people exist. There's a subcategory of these people that I'm talking about. Right, and there's a word, a slur, like sure, you said. Sure, yeah, so. there's a word for it. You're right, you're and right. Since it's, it's since it's not yet super politically incorrect, I will call the southern white version of those people rednecks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those are the only guys I had any trouble with. And uh, all, all, 
all my school, I've always had like a bully or something in school. Yeah. And I've always found that the best route with a bully is to stand up for yourself. Whether that means sure. taking a punch, throwing a punch, going to the principal's office, getting suspended. Yeah. The moment you do that, the bully will not fuck with you ever again because yeah. he will respect you. I don't yeah. understand the dynamics really. It might not be a verbal respect, but it will just yeah. be like, all right, you know. Yeah, they won't mess they, with you anymore. I, and I think, I think the part of it is that, you know, the plot. I don't want to say the pleasure, but what they're getting out of it is that domination. And if they don't get it, then what are they doing? You know, then, then I think there's no so. point anymore. I, you know? I think sometimes a lot of uh, aggressive bullying, at least that's what I got, you know, was like basically another guy trying to size me up and beat mm-hmm. my ass or whatever. Because um, he didn't like the way I dressed or whatever. Well, it was probably because he just needed a quick, easy way to feel good about himself. Right, right. But I know? feel like a lot of those guys suffer at least some kind of abuse in their lives. Sure, so, sure. That aggression, that level of aggression is somehow associated with respect because that's what they get from whatever grown-up that yeah. they respect, but sure. they fear. Right, right. So when, once you you know, basically assert yourself, um, I don't know, I've had quite a few bullies try to be my friends afterwards, but that, that's always an odd – that's yeah. a re- relationship I don't want to go down where I feel no, uncomfortable. No, that sounds dangerous. Someone's going to throw a punch or something. Yeah, that you know? sounds like yeah, that sounds like a powder keg kind of situation. Right, right. Yeah, walking into uh... yeah. Wow, you 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 just tried to beat the shit out of me, and I didn't let you, and now you want to be friends. There's a there's a lack of logic That's happening cool. there. I appreciate you uh, not trying to beat me up anymore, but we'll we just can go leave our... it. We can leave it there. <laughs> We can and, nod uh, at each other in the yeah, hallway. Sure, that's, that's cool. It. Yep. Three quarter mm-hmm. nod. We don't say. We could grunt a exactly. little bit, maybe. That's yeah, it. I fortunately haven't had to really ever. Well, you know, I don't know. I had to deal with a little bit of bullying, but nothing that I ever like took home with me or anything. Just like something where like some somebody didn't like me, mm-hmm. and I was just like, I don't get it. Like, what did I do? You know, people just like being a little too rough on the basketball court only to me and stuff like that you know what I mean but not anything that that I ever could have been like hey so and so did this mm-hmm. you know it was always just stuff that I kind of saw that was like passive bullying yeah. you know what I mean and then I was just like what did I do you right. know like why am why? but it never like really fucked with me too bad the only time anything ever really got like legit physical was this time I was walking down uh, between classes the high school I went to was a uh a trade school and well I guess that's kind of beside the point but there was a point certain point during the day where the upper classmen would walk to one part where the classes were and the lower classmen would walk down to where the shops were so we would all pass each other in like this you know ma- these massive groups mm-hmm. and at one point one day I, while I was a freshman very early on a fist just came out from this, the river of upperclassmen and just hit me in the chest man and I like I turned around like what and nobody was like the river just kept flowing like nothing came of it at all and I was like so I can't even categorize that as bullying because nobody even like made it personal like there was no like nothing right. I couldn't even put a face it was, to, yeah, like anonymous yeah. and later on somebody was like yeah I think I saw who did that I think it was him but the person never like approached me nothing ever came of it afterward so I'm very fortunate that I never had to deal with anything like physical or anything other than that but I felt I felt I kind of felt some emotional a little bit of emotional bullying like throughout you know a bit of high school but I also had really good friends that that seemed to like me so that never fucked with me too bad it was just like mm-hmm. I don't get what I did to that dude and right now looking back obviously it wasn't about me you right. know right <laughs> it's absolutely never, it's not about you know the bullying is never really about the victim mm-hmm. you know 
but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely fortunate in that respect. So, so you kind of got your footing as a person. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Made friends, yeah. had a good time, you know, um, still spent quite a bit of time out in nature, but it was hard not to be, you know, like everybody's house was surrounded by woods, you yeah. know, at yeah. night you had the sounds of nature, you had the stars. Isn't that the best? Beautiful, yeah. Like the crickets at night and stuff. Oh, Absolutely. So and sometimes a little scary, you know, because the, the woods are very dense, so you don't really well, know what's out there, you know. Calling back. It's in our DNA to be scared of the dark woods, right. man. Right. You should be. You right. should be scared of the dark woods. There's bad shit out there. There's that. My Bears night vision sucks. And... Yeah, man. Man. Well. I, I, ran, I, I remember in high school walking around with some kids through the woods, and I was dating this girl at the time, and uh, dating is a kind of a loose term, I think. But, um, <laughs> sure. We were walking through the woods, and I forget why. These girls really wanted to go through the woods, and uh, I couldn't see Jack. <laughs> and I was being led through the woods, you know. Luckily, yeah. I trusted these people, you know. <laughs> but, yeah. I, I mean, I literally, I was amazed at how bad my night vision was. Like, wow. I just, I could literally not see anything. I, like, feel around like a blind person. You know? Well, it makes me feel any better. Uh, we have not evolved to have that skill. Mm -hmm. So, you know, don't beat yourself I thought up. thought it was the amount of carrots I didn't need No, it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't lack of, uh, of carrots, you know. We're just not a, you know, we're not a nocturnal animal. So, uh, you know. You're supposed to be asleep at night. That's the first part of the problem. That's you right. know, it gets dark. You're supposed to go to sleep. We invented lights, though, so we fucked that up pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> right. We invented the light bulb or well, well, fire. Maybe really. when they figure out how to give us those bionic eyes, we can get some cat eye yeah. transplant or something, you know, so we can see at night. That's get a shine cool. job, like in uh, Riddick. Catch <laughs> Black, you ever see that? I haven't, no. Dude, classic. Vin Diesel, like right at the very beginning of uh -huh. his, like, movie stardom. It's a movie called Pitch Black, and it's about this character named Riddick. Uh, I think he has a first name, but they call him Riddick. I think you find out his first name maybe in the second movie. Um, but he's like this, this like uh, a race of humanoid kind of being that is like super strong and just like very aggressive and whatnot. I don't remember the plot to be honest with you. Something to do with he was a prisoner and he's in a trance classic. He's in. A, he's a dangerous prisoner in transport, and then the people transporting him end up in danger, and he has to decide. You know, okay. he's the anti-hero of the whole thing. And, right. But he has a thing called a shine job, where he went to like some, you know, eye surgeon, and this takes place in like another another planet, universe, whatever, mm -hmm. where they open up your eyes and give them that whatever, you know, it, the, it makes your eyes do that thing that cats when the, you shine a flashlight and a cat's cat or dog's mm -hmm. eye, you know, graphic look. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, obviously there's a you know, a lot more rods and cones and whatnot, you know, but um, that was the whole thing in the movie where he had gotten a shine job and, like, that was the phrase used in the movie. Is just, it was shine, for 1997 yeah. or whatever, it was just super badass, you know. <laughs> but you should check it. If you ever come across it, it's, I'll have to check it's, it's it out, a decent yeah. movie, yeah. I, I love the dude movies for sure. Yeah, don't bother with the sequels, but yeah, <laughs> that's good. I mean, the sequels were okay, but if you're going to pick one, watch the first one. Okay. Classic Vin Pitch Diesel. Black. Pitch Black, yep. I think probably 97, 98. Bad effects, but a lot of the movie takes place in the dark, so you can get away with bad effects. <laughs> and uh, and they and, and your bad night vision will not be a problem watching this movie if you have any any concerns about that. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> the movie does have visuals; it is not a pitch black screen the whole time. <laughs> That'd be an art piece right there. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. You ever been to the? Uh, you, have you been to New York City? I have not. I've never been to New York City. Do yourself a favor and just go there one time. Uh -huh. Just spend a weekend there. 
I'm pretty I think, sure I would I th- have a panic attack. <laughs> well, I think it's just good to know that it exists uh-huh. and to just go experience it for a little while, even if it's just for like a you know one night or something. You know, I mean, it's kind of a haul for one night. But no, if you I ever imagine. Get... I imagine if I do go there, it'd probably take me a little while to acclimate. But there's a lot. You to won't see acclimate. For sure. No, you won't. That's. I think that's that's huh. my suspicion about New York City is that either you had to either grow up there or you have to be a crazy person like a kind of a manic kind of person to be able to serve, like actually be comfortable there hmm. because it's just concrete and cars excuse me and people and just motion and lights constantly and it's just loud and stinky and but it's amazing because there's everything's right on top of you like you can get anything ordered delivered to you all the time there's all there's all levels of the economic scale there, Inc- insane um, uh, like cultural diversity right right in the city. It's it's got to be the capital of the world. You know, it's got it, it's got to be. If you were to pick a capital of the world, it's got to be New York City because there's just it's just everything. Hmm. But what I was getting at was there's uh there's the museum which I'm sure you've heard of called um, the Museum of Modern Art or the uh-huh. the MoMA. MoMA. Uh-huh. Yep. I don't know how to handle it. I don't know how to handle it because there literally will be like a pile of garbage that's all spray painted yellow and it's untitled. What the fuck do I do with that? Uh-huh. What do I do with that? Like, I, it's hard for me to understand. Some art I can look at and be like, oh, I get that and I like it. But stuff like that, I'm like, you got to give me, just give me a title. Just give me something, right. you know, just give me something to work with. And the, so much of that museum was just me looking at something and going, I want to get it so bad. I want to appreciate what you did, artist, but I just don't. And if that's how I feel, then why is it here and why am I here and why does anyone give a shit? Right. Like, are there people who can walk up on stuff and just be like, that? Or are, they, or are they full of shit? My suspicion is they're full of shit. See, see, here's the thing about art is that anything can be art as long right. as you convince the public that it's art. The right. fact that it is in the MoMA makes it art um the See, fact that's that where you lose me yeah right that's where you lose me right. i mean I, I i get that and i respect that but for me to pay an admission and go in and look at it right what what do i i don't like is it just up to me it's up to you art is completely subjective well sometimes unless it's not you know what I mean? Like, it, I guess you can argue that about any piece of art, but there is plenty of art where someone's like, "This is what I did. This is why I did it. This is the story. This is who I am, and I, who I am is relevant. My life story is relevant." Like this, you right. know what I mean? No, no. So and that makes sense. There, there is artists make artist statements. They right. tell you why they made these pieces. That's still, if you go in there not reading that shit, not knowing any of that, then your experience of the art is still completely subjective. Sure. It is what it means to you and totally valid yeah right and that and that's really our and i guess sometimes that's the point you know to have no context to have no background information maybe that is the point of certain pieces of art but if you go into the moma it's like half the stuff that's in there i feel like there's more stuff that can be yeah modern art right if you go to the metropolitan museum of art that's a totally different story That's a place where I can, I really go fucking nuts right. because all of that stuff has context, all of it has information about who did it or the time period and all that stuff. That's when I can really just melt into 
So, well, that that that's like the invention of modern art is that these artists were starting to question what made art. Why is this art? You've heard of Marcel Duchamp and Dadaism. Uh, nope. Okay. Okay. The first guy to go outside and find some shit on the road and put it in a museum and call it art was Marcel Duchamp. He, okay. He titled. He took a urinal. Mm-hmm. He turned it, I think, upright, something like that, and sure. titled it Fountain. So he didn't. He gave it a title at least. Interesting. And he signed it R. Mutt. Was this art? It, it caused a huge stir. This was the rise of Dadaism, and it was okay. like basically, what is art? What defines okay. art? Okay, well, well, I want to agree and sort of disagree then because, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to disagree necessarily, but the reason what he did was even valid was because of the context. The context was still important. Mm-hmm. Even though he just took a thing and decided it was art, the context of him making that decision was the right. defining factor right. there. You know what I mean? And when you walk into the MoMA, you don't get any of the, any of that context. Okay, you're the first person to piss in a bottle and put a glass case around it. That's fine, but I don't even know that. I don't even know that you're the first person to do it. I just know that it's here in front of me. Right, right. So at least give me that. You know what I mean? Well, did, did the piece have like a description or anything? No, it was like untitled. untitled. Was I it? mean, honestly, I think this is hyperbole what I'm saying. I don't know for sure that that's exactly what I saw, but mm. I remember seeing multiple things that was just a thing and it had no title uh-huh. and it the thing itself was not like made extraordinary in any kind of way that I could tell and I'm just like is this art <laughs> the question wasn't is it art uh-huh. because of course it's art but the question is what am I supposed to be what's supposed to be happening in my head right. like am I supposed to be confused if that's the case then okay but how do i even know that i don't know anything you know and it just it just frustrates me you know i don't i don't want to pretend like i i don't want to act like i think that that kind of stuff shouldn't exist because maybe i'm feeling what i'm supposed to feel you know what i mean or maybe i'm just overanalyzing it i don't fucking know but <laughs> my point is that the moment frustrate uh yeah the moment frustrates me but um the reason you reminded me of that is because you said you know a black thing could just be art like uh who's uh, i don't even who's the guy who does just the solid like colors shit. Do you have any idea? Um, what? Kandinsky. 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 Something like some po- some Polish guy. Yeah. I'm sure okay. you got an art history book around here. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um. Yeah. That. See that stuff. If you initially look at it, uh-huh. you're like, oh, it's a color. But those usually have context where someone's like, well, this is a feeling or like this is the color of whatever. You know what I mean? Like those Uh even have context. But then you get into like Jackson Pollock stuff that I don't really get it. Yeah. Have you ever been down to the River Arts District here in Nashville? Yes. You've seen this guy, uh, Jonas Gerard. Jonas Gerard. Right. So, so, okay. So now I'm going to put my foot in my mouth. I love his stuff. And I think a lot of his stuff's probably untitled. But something about that at least has like a form factor and there's like, you know, there's, I guess I can look at some of his stuff and and I guess, I guess it's got to be subjective because I do look at some of his stuff and go, I get what you're doing there, even though there's no Mm -hmm. actual shapes that I'm supposed to be familiar with or anything. So, okay. Point, point taken. Eh. (laughs) I I mean, I I feel like art's always like that, you know, like, uh, and I've always loved art. I mean, that's the one thing I've really excelled at yeah. in life, you know, drawing pictures when I was a kid sure. and uh, playing with clay these days. Mm-hmm. But, uh, 
I feel like it's very personal. Mm. And sometimes the artist shares that story with you so you have a context, you know. And that's nice. As artists, we're trained to share that information. People, sure. people want to know, you know. Sure. They want to know what materials you're using, what inspired you, you know. Say a little more of that. Absolutely. But ultimately, um, you know, it's always like, say, a piece of pottery. Like, yeah. That's subjective. You know, obviously I use a set amount of materials. I was going for a certain shape and yeah. color and stuff. But your experience of that is completely subjective. Most art you just well, get to look at and experience. This there's you a bit a... of a loophole with pottery, though, because most of it has a function. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you're not making something that's going to go under a glass case. This is not an abstract shape. Like, it's a it's a piece of kitchenware. You know what I mean? True. At the end of the day. So it's like, oh, yeah, that design's cool. Mm-hmm. Even you might have poured emotions from you know something that happened to you when you were 22 years old into this mug. I don't fucking know. Right. And I might not even care. It's a mug. It looks cool. I can put my coffee in it. You know what I mean? So it's like you're in a bit of a like crossover area when like with stuff. Like yeah, I think you're right, and that's an argument that's been made for a long time, like art versus craft. Sure. You know, because sure. craft does you know blur that line yeah. right there. Um, like if you made these mugs and they looked exactly the same, but you put a hole in the bottom. <laughs> then you would be, you know, you'd be subverting that whole thing. <laughs> that, that would be art, right? Right, but I wouldn't have it in front of me right now, you know? That's true. It would be on a shelf because you right. could put shit in it. Exactly. <laughs> you could put a plant in it and have drainage. Yeah, you know? that's true. Planters. Planter Do you ever see those? There, there's uh, there's an artist. I, I, I have no, I couldn't even try and guess at what their name is. But they make all these, like, I think they're uh, 3D renders. Um, but they're of objects that are made useless by the way they're designed so it's like a fork but all the um the tines uh, tines of the fork are like made of rope <laughs> or like i can't that's the only one i can think of off the top of my head but they're all along those lines of like it's a thing that you recognize as that thing but it's completely useless by the way it's designed like you can't use it for that purpose so now it's just yeah yeah i've seen some art like fur fur lined cups and things like yeah, that yeah yeah exactly stuff that is, those things are neat because they challenge you know the idea we know what a fork like, is well yeah know, well that's like, the thing is if you yeah is is that a fork anymore right if it, if you if you can't use it as a fork then it's not a fork is it you know like if i took a you know is, if i flip this upside down is it a, still a table Upside down table, but you can use it, right? But is, but is it a table? Because the definition of a table is a flat surface with legs that you can put things on. Uh-huh. That's not what that is anymore. Right. Simply because of the way I've oriented it, you know. Huh. I don't. I don't know. That's a cool I one. Know. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, I, maybe we were describing multiple ways to look at everything, you know, sure. everyday things. Sure. Know, sure. That flip it over. I mean, lay down on the ground and look up at something. You yeah. Know, right. Take is a perspective. It, is it a different thing take? because of your? Pre- wow. Well, wow. quantum physics would say, yes, it's a different thing. You affect everything you observe. One of us was going to bring up quantum physics eventually. <laughs> oh, I think it's extremely yeah. fascinating. Yeah, it is so, wild, man. Um, have you ever heard of Deepak Chopra? It's interesting to drop yes, his name. Um, I have, yeah. yeah. He's, he's going to be talking been, in uh, Charlotte, been, actually. I've been soon. hearing the name Deepak Chopra since I was a very, very, very young young boy. Um, my mom has read multiple of his books. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, like... My mom has always been like a big Oprah person, so Deepak Chopra kind of worked his way into that whole, you know, the secret, you know, all that kind of uh-huh, stuff is yeah. kind of. And I listen, you know, uh, I listen to a lot of like the Joe Rogan podcast, and I really have a love hate thing with him and his podcast because he talks a lot of shit about people like Deepak Chopra and the law of attraction and stuff like that, 
And Joe Rogan's like, yeah, people think that they can just make a vision board and that their dreams are going to come true. Like, if anybody thinks, if anybody actually thinks that, yes, they are very deluded. There's obviously a work and effort element to accomplishing anything, but it's that deep, deep belief within yourself that I really, I've, I've seen it in action that things are pulled toward you when you set very specific goals and start putting in the work toward those goals. And I don't know, like call it synchronicity or whatever, but things, when you set goals and you work toward those goals, shit just happens. Dude. Mm-hmm. It's really strange. Mm-hmm. It is really strange the way I've seen, like, even just for, you know, working on this podcast, the way things just happen that kind of make it feel like the right thing to be doing, you know, uh-huh. that I feel very passionate about it. And that's like, I want, I've never been more proud of anything that I am of just the very little I've done with this, this project so far. And anything that's happened as a side event or anything peripherally around it is like very validating and shows me that, you know, it's, it all works more toward the goal of this being something substantial, you know? (laughs) And every time I make a decision in my life, that's towards some kind of goal. And, and, you know, I really have the intention of it being a reality and I put, and I do any kind of work. This shit is real, dude. It really is. And I, it just bugs me when people like Joe Rogan, for example, just, pretend that the philosophy is that you just make a vision board and shit will happen like that's not nobody believes that yeah dude. right and that's nobody not really that's not that. really what they're saying no it's not what but they're saying. i think what they're trying to convince people of is the power of our thoughts right and intentions it's the intentions and it's that you can't really have an intention without kind of having a thought but i think the key word there is intention because and and that kind of ties into what we're saying before about like you know the things that you say carry an intention behind it mm-hmm. and that intention can be conveyed through many other things other than just the words you right. know like the loss of being able to understand that through a text message because exactly. you can't get right. the intention behind the words exactly that's like the joke you sent me in the text you were like i was like oh take your time i'll be here and you were like you promise <laughs> and i looked at it and we were playing video game at the time so i was a little disconnected and i read it and i was like what what the fuck does that mean? So I just responded, yeah. <laughs> and then you said, ha ha. Like, so I understood that it was a joke. You want to hear something really, really funny? Yeah. I was literally in the shower after I sent that to you. And I was like, we're going to have a conversation about that exchange. And Power you, of and thought you, and, and you literally said the words that I knew you were going to say. I'm not even bullshitting you, dude, and you're freaking I, me out a little bit synchronicity. right now. Synchronicity. All right, Joe Rogan, stuff was, that, yeah, buddy. Suck it, Joe. <laughs> but yeah, because I was sitting there like – because I was very clearly trying to be silly and be playful, but there was no context. <laughs> and you know just enough about me to kind of be like, yeah. But I could tell that your yeah was like – a tentative, yeah. You mean, what do you mean? I pro- do I promise? Like, uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess I promise. Sure, I promise. Yeah, whatever. And I was like, haha, because I just want to throw it in just to be like, I'm not being like a weirdo. Clar- like, I just, clarify yeah, like, this yeah. a little bit. Yeah. No, it's great, man. It's absolutely great. That's awesome. I think I'm really just starting to learn a lot about the power of thoughts and intentions. Mm. You know, and I've been listening to a lot of deep. It's stuff. heavy shit, dude. Well, well, it feels like it's something that I intuitively knew as a child, and then as I grew up, I, I feel like I was always fed this line, or maybe it's just something I just believed, that 
uh, no one ever made a living at art, and I should have a backup kind of mm. uh, job mm-hmm. and all that. So I feel like the doubt had been there for a long, long time. So my intention has always been negated by my thought that it might not happen. It might Your belief not system. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. so what I'm trying to do now is have less doubt, yeah. you know, and, uh, and make my intentions more clear. And obviously there's an action element because I can't. You know, I can't sell cups that I don't make, you know, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. As much as you want to live off making pottery, you got to make a fuck ton of pottery. Right. Like, can you think about how much pottery you would have to make to live off it? Right. That's daunting in itself, you know, but you could fucking do it. Or you could get to the point where you could get close to living off it and then have to take a half a step back and maybe hire somebody to help you and then progress forward from there. So, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there, but you. And and the reality all of all kinds it of people is, fucking do it, you right? Know? And and that's the thing, you know, is that's something I didn't really realize. I think as a young person that there were really a lot of successful artists out mm. there, and there's a market, you yeah. know, because when you don't have a lot of money, it's hard to imagine that there are people who have a lot of money to spend on something like art, you know, which is not a necessity, right? But every day I install closets in very fancy houses, and these people collect art. They are people with a lot of wealth yes, and that appreciate good art or yes, just a nice mug to drink out of. Yeah, yeah. Um, so or I just, think imagining yeah. it, being able to imagine it as a reality is mm-hmm. the first step towards getting there. You know, totally. it's like with the cell phone. Somebody had to imagine that and then it took a lot of work and that to get works, there. It works on every <laughs> scale. Absolutely. It works on every scale and all, you know, in as, as, us as a collective, you know, human race or in your individual life, you know, that it's, everything starts as an idea, man. But it's funny because, not to bring up Joe Rogan again, but he said something really cool the other day. Um, he said that he's, he's starting to become suspicious that ideas might be a life form. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> That's crazy. He's like, yeah, because I feel like the way that they, like, when you're, re- when you come up, when you're, like, flowing with, ideas or like you have an idea like did you is that you did you come up with that or are you tapping into something you know are you accessing something and that's an idea i've played around with for a long time that but you know even before way before i've heard him say anything like that not necessarily thinking about it as a life form but thinking about the idea that like all knowledge is like this i think about it as almost like a just like a glowing orb Mm -hmm. that's in that just exists, right? Mm-hmm. And when you, when new ideas come forth into the universe, just by somebody thinking of it or somebody coming up with a new way to do a kind of math or something like that, there's like a tiny little thread that gets connected to the the collective consciousness to this thing, and over time, more and more of those threads get connected, mm-hmm. you know. And obviously, there's an infinite number of them, but I, I I like to think about it as like a like a, you know, like a a well of mm-hmm. knowledge that we're s- slowly, you know, progressively kind of drawing from, you know, it's just wild to think about it that way, you know, cause I, like the person who came up with trigonometry, for example, they didn't invent it. They discovered it. It was a, something that already existed. And like, does that, li- it's almost weird to even say the words, but like, does that exist somewhere? Like, it's hard to even talk about the idea right. of an, what an idea is before somebody thinks of it, you know? It is. It is. Yeah, I've always thought of it as, and I don't know where I picked up the idea from. It was something that I read when I was a teenager of the ether. 
Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the ether to me is the collective unconsciousness, all the ideas out there mm-hmm. that are floating around. Because you know, I remember people saying, "There's nothing new under the sun. There's no idea that's never sure. been thought yeah, of." Yeah, you know, That kind of stuff. Just... Well, if that's the case, then they're all out there in a well, like you're saying, in the right. ether, and we just reach up occasionally and tap into them. Right. Or somehow we're open and receptive enough that they come to us whether yeah, we're singing yeah. in the shower or whatever yeah they come to us well it's funny because in that same breath joe rogan says and uh he's like when i get really really stoned and i go into like a float tank i start having ideas and he's like i feel like i'm in a river trying to catch a fish with my hands and there's just fish flying by me and i can't <laughs> grab any of them he's like i just feel like there's just ideas flowing by me and i can't get them you know and, and, you know, it's why I wonder, like, when we enter, like, altered states of consciousness, like, are we actually going somewhere or doing something? Because there's just too much going on that I feel like it can't just be chemicals inside your brain mixing around in new ways. you got to be tapping into something. I, I really like the idea that the human body is some sort of – or the human brain maybe is some sort of antenna for some sort of frequencies that are floating around like in a parallel universe or something like that, you know, Absolutely. which is an idea we can pick apart maybe in another conversation. But I like to think about it that way that I think it's really neat. And I, I don't think you're, you know, definitely not the first person to think of the human body as an antenna no, no. and an antenna well, or a conduit. Or... I think, well, I think the, the way I logic my way through it is I think, I think it's something that I kind of, pieces I put together on my own not mm-hmm. necessarily the first person to do it but I think I did it independently of like hearing somebody say right. it um, if you think about it you know we, we know full well that the brain operates off of electrical signals mm-hmm. so it's obviously an electrical circuit and any electrical circuit you could you could make a you could make a loop of copper wire and if you expose that to a magnetic field it will have current through it period so if your brain is this electrical you know um circuit there's obviously magnetic fields or all sorts of energetic fields that we exist within ones that we can't even measure what if one of those is what consciousness is you know what and and your brain is a little different from my brain so your consciousness is a little different Mm -hmm. your biology is different therefore your consciousness is a little bit different and your life experience affects your all of that together you know what I mean? But it's really just this one thing that we're all kind of like walking through, but our you know, our subjective experiences make it sort of feel like we're an individual, but really we're a human body that's tapping into this one universal consciousness. And maybe different drugs I hesitate to even use the word drugs, but maybe different substances that you can get into your body will cause different parts of that to kind of interact with that field in a different way or a different field entirely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, know, opening the doors of perception. That's what people have always associated mind altering substance with, you know, and the idea is that, you know, we, we experience the world through the categories that we've created. Mm -hmm. That's what makes it available to us and communicable. But once you break down that, what is there? There becomes more uh, yeah. information available right, to you. You know, right. people, you hear people like being able to smell colors or see. Yeah, uh, synesthesia, know. it's called. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, stuff like that where like the common way your brain might work, might the electrical circuit fires, fires differently. Yeah. That's breaking it down to a biochemical thing so sure, you can sure. understand it. But 
if we're really tapped into something larger than mm. that, there's much more going on. But yeah. we just can't understand it because we can't comprehend it. It's like trying to know what God is. Like right. We have ideas of it, yeah. but no one can know God. Or like descri- describe a color to a blind person. Right. You know Exactly. If they've never experienced a color, all they know is the darkness that they... Right. Well, it's not even a darkness because there's no. they've never experienced light. So it's just... A, it's not anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, man. I can't imagine what that's like not having sight. Um, no. But but your ability to hear and pick up on nuances of the world are beyond what we can imagine, really, because we can't perceive like that. Yeah. Know? Have you heard of the the people who like uh, are go, go blind at like a very young age or who are born blind who can do like the echolocation? No. There are people who can do echolocation with their mouth. They go, they make like a clicking noise with their mouth, and they literally because if you're born, if it happens early enough, or if you're born blind, your occipital lobe, the part of your brain that allows you to, you know, translates your, you know, your retinal uh, stimuli into brain imagery. Your, that part of your brain doesn't grow. Okay. So the auditory parts of your brain grow instead because your you know your skull's got to fill up with something, mm-hmm. and your you know because your brain will just do that. It'll it'll work the parts you, that you use. If your eyes don't work, that part of your brain ain't gonna grow. So these people learn how to hear on a level that you could never, like you said, could never fully understand. But some of them have actually figured out some of them independently of each other. But there's actually schools that you can send blind people to to learn how to do this. I don't know if it's a school, but there's like you know there's a place you can go where people teach it. But they make these clicking noises and can like ride a bike down the street and not die by clicking with That's their mouth. That's amazing. That's crazy, dude. The real, crazy. the real Batman. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. What's <laughs> this kind of weird there thing about what's up with Batman, dude? He has like no bat-related powers, like. He's like can like hang out in the dark, but you know he doesn't really use any echolocation, or maybe he does classically. I don't, I don't Some know. Some symbolism but... of the darkness and yeah. stumble, stumbling upon the Bat Cave. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like depending on what storyline you're reading or That's watching, true. it's a different That's story. True. Who cares? Batman's cool. It's yeah. got a lot of I'm cool a fan. toys. To be clear, I'm a fan. I dig Batman. Tries but... not to kill the bad guys, but sometimes yeah. it happens. Yeah. You don't know. Well, I, apparently in the new, the Ben Affleck kind of Batman. Didn't really give a shit so much about. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, I, I guess. Haven't seen any of the new stuff, really. Uh, you know what? I gotta say, I dig ba- Ben Affleck as Batman. I dig it. Probably because most of my Batman exposure has been the goofy, like Tim Burton movies, uh, and also the Batman video games uh-huh. that are fairly recent, like the Arkham uh, series. Okay. Arkham's uh, Asylum, Arkham City, and then. Uh, Arkham Knight, maybe? Mm-hmm. And Batman is just like this super burly, just badass dude, and you just go through punching the shit out of people right, like right. most of the, the game. Dark, gruff, gritty Batman. Yeah, just like. I think that is a very lovable one. He's been. Uh, yeah, I, you know, that's the part. Gotham City, that's how we imagine it, right? Not, yeah, yeah. Not like bright colors and stuff. No, it's dark and, you know, sort of post apocalyptic and. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think so. It's funny though, Ben Affleck as uh, Batman. Batman, you know, because I'm thinking, you know, he's no longer screwing girls in very uncomfortable places. What, <laughs> what like the back of a Volkswagen? 
Do you get that reference? As no, a I clerks. don't. Clerks, have I you ever tell, watched Clerks? Okay, I could tell it was a reference well, that, to something. Well, that was yeah. Mallrats, actually. So okay. it was the sequel to um, Clerks, but... Or, well, the second well, kind movie, of, yeah, not the sequel. Because yeah. Clerks um, 2 was yeah. technically well, the sequel. Well, I'm, I'm, fami- I'm, I'm <laughs> peripherally familiar with Kevin Smith and his, yeah, yeah. His, his body of work. Well, I loved that stuff when I was in high school. And, and I still think it's great. I have great. seen Clerks. By the um, way, but it's been a long watch time. Watch Mallrats. And I've, get my job. I, I've seen Mallrats too, but it's been a long, 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 long time. time. Yeah, yeah. He was just he was he was a douche in that movie for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of remember that. I dude, Kevin. I love Kevin Smith, man. He's oh, he, great in interviews and stuff like that. He's he's awesome, dude. He's a cool guy. I think you know, in a lot of ways, he's been very successful, and uh, he has passed that on to his friends and his mm-hmm. loved ones. And he's very humble still. You know? One of the original podcasters, by the way. Really? Yeah. There's like a handful of people like uh, Adam Carolla, Kevin Smith, Joe Rogan um, that are like the original podcasters that back when like nobody even knew, like podcast almost wasn't even a word in the lexicon yet. Mm -hmm. And they were just like, hey, what if I just do whatever the fuck I want and put it on the rate or put it on the internet and, you know, Kevin Smith I think has like a couple podcasts now, you know, and all these people are still doing it. And they have insane amounts of <coughs> followers and exposure and stuff. It's really cool. But anyway. Yeah, no, I think podcasts is, you know, and, and again, nobody imagined it before. We no. had radio talk shows and stuff. Yeah. Most of the time people interview famous people. And you say, you know, like Joe Rogan uh, is probably interviewing pretty famous people. Yeah. Uh, and on a variety of topics that mm-hmm. he is interested in or are popular. Yep. Um, I think your podcast is unique because you're interviewing everyday ordinary people that you know yeah that you and, like. that, and that's and that's a thing you know um everybody has everybody's outlook on the world is i mean i one might argue that ordinary joe his outlook on the world is more important than ben affleck's you know what i mean because he actually lives in the real world mm-hmm. where most of us live you know so to get the kind of to know what's going on in his head, I think is actually more relevant to most people's lives. Um, and I know that's not a profound idea, but I haven't found a decently entertaining way to consume that myself. So I guess I'm going to try and make it, you know? I think it's a great idea because it, it's true through just daily interactions, through small conversations with you have with people. You can gain an enormous amount of wisdom. Yeah. yeah. And if we think back to a time before the media, before Mm -hmm. television, before there were famous people, Mm -hmm. uh, you didn't have those interviews. So really the knowledge you gained was through your daily interaction with other people, you know. So you you knew what was going on in, you know, Cousin Joe who's running the local hardware store's head because you went in there and had to buy some stuff and you talked to him for, you know, 15 minutes. Yeah, exactly. But – that conversationally went as far as the stuff you gleaned from it and then people you like oh you know cousin joe said this interesting thing the right. other day at the hardware store when i was chatting with him and what do you think about that you know what i mean and it was very slow moving of these ideas and stuff like that you know and every one of these that i've done has been profound in its own way that we kind of say i think this has definitely been the most for sure the most psychedelic and heady one for sure <laughs> which is <laughs> really really cool um but yeah they've all they've all have their own sort of um really cool stuff that can be that can be gleaned from them i gotta find a new way to say that 
to be gleaned from. Gleaned. Yeah. Or is, that, can... is that like a farming term? Is that no, I think it has something to do with... Um, <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure it has something to do with like... The, the imagery I'm getting in my mind is like when you... Say, for example, if you like smash two rocks together and a big chunk of one came off and you're like gleaning a chunk off. I think that's what that means. Okay. It's like when you when when a you like chop a chunk off of something. I think that's kind of what gleaning okay. is. I, th- I think. I could be totally wrong. But we gain the idea. You're We're gaining. We're yeah, gaining right. Knowledge. There's something you're taking, taking away, from, away from, it from it that's okay. substantial, you know, and that's what I, I – and I have – I haven't had one yet that hasn't had that, which is I think pretty profound in itself that obviously I'm onto something. I think so. You know? Well, I think the fact, and like you said it as we started the interview, you were like, you haven't done one of these. You, you feel like the interview takes it to a different level, whereas mm-hmm. like we would be having a normal conversation. Yeah. Maybe we don't glean as much because some some reason, the fact that we're putting it down yeah. allows us to have... a a deeper interaction, I guess, is kind of how you... And I, th- I think it's just because your brain kind of handles the situation just differently enough that you're a little more conscious of your own thoughts and what you're saying in a way that makes you maybe just make your point a little bit better kind of by accident. I don't really know. Um, because obviously I haven't interviewed people who have even done anything before like this. So it's not like they have any practice at it. Mm-hmm. But everybody's done really well. You know, nobody, I haven't had anybody who's like fumbled over themselves or anything weird like that, you know, which if they did, it would be totally fine, you know, but they've all gone really well. And I I have to figure out what that, what the essence of that is, you know what I mean? So I know exactly what to do with it or maybe not know what to do with it, but I just, I just want to figure out what that essence is so I can make it my, my product. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Cause that's what I need to do at the end of the day, you know? Is figure out what what my, I don't want to use the word brand, but what what I am and what what I can say like here. Do you like this? Mm-hmm. Like this, some, this is you know what I mean. And then some, some like way to market yourself, categorize. Yeah, yourself. I don't want to use words like that, but yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. basically what I'm talking yeah. about. You know, um, um, I feel like uh, you're getting there and you're getting there yeah. in a intuitive sort of way, and I think. Uh, I think that's what's special about you, really, man. Is that you? Uh, Appreciate that, dude. You're open to find your way through the world, and you're confident enough where, even if you do stumble, you know it's going to be okay. You're going to catch gonna the next okay. step. Yeah, you know? exactly, exactly. Well, I think it's a good point to wrap this up. We've done about an hour and twenty minutes. Which All right, is this the is great this really conversation. Cool. So thank you, dude. This has been wonderful. No problem at all, man. Thanks for being interested enough to interview with me. Everybody's interesting, man. You just got to talk to them. That's right. So, cool. Well, thanks, man. No problem. Thank you, Jake.